0: Well, good morning and salutations. Um, I know it's been about two weeks since I last posted or did anything, but I have been working a lot and been sick, but I am better now. So um, uh, just a late happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there. Yesterday was kind of a hard day for me personally, Uh, not because like I lost my mother or anything, but just for personal reasons, but, uh, I'm better now, and, uh, so, we're gonna go into the disappearance of Jennifer Keith. Um, this always kind of bugged me. I remember seeing this, I believe, on Dateline or Oxygen or something like that, one of those, and, um, because I, I feel like the answer to where she went is, is right there in her apartment complex, and somebody knows, and somebody's either has left the country, um, or you know everybody's just doing that code of silence thing. So, um, if you don't know the, the story, uh, Jennifer uh, has been missing since January twenty third of two thousand six. Um, so we're just kind to kind of dive into who she was at first. Um, so she had uh, grew up in Tampa, Florida, uh, graduated in Florida and Orlando in 2003 with a degree in finance. So at the time of her disappearance, she was working as a financial manager, um, at Central Florida Investments Timeshare Company. And she had actually had just bought her first condominium home. The weekend before she had vanished, Jennifer had vacationed with her boyfriend in the Virgin Islands. So returning on Sunday, she stayed the night at her boyfriend's and then drove straight to work the next morning because they do live about three three hours away. Orlando and um where she lives in Tampa. That's about a three hour drive. Um so this is what happens and this is what happened uh her disappearance basically. So Jennifer was last seen leaving work at approximately uh let's see, hold on, twelve about six o'clock, sorry, because I used for some reason I don't know why I used the eighteen hundred eighteen hundred hours. Um so she left uh work at about uh, six o'clock on January twenty-third. She had spoken to her father uh while she was driving home at about six fifteen. And then she was speaking with her boyfriend at around ten o'clock. Uh she was uh they had a habit of kind of texting or telephoning um, she did uh, her boyfriend before leaving for work. So it was unusual when she didn't when he didn't receive either a, a good morning text or a phone call from her. Um, he called her and his turn, uh, her call, his call went to her voicemail. So when Jennifer had failed to appear at work, her employer contacted her parents who began the two hour drive from their home to hers. Jennifer's parents noticed that her car was missing, but saw nothing really out of the ordinary Uh, There was a wet towel, a few clothes laid out, among other things, kind of suggesting that she had made it inside. I mean, obviously, because she had talked to her boyfriend, um, had showered, dressed, and was preparing to go to work that morning. So this is kind of the timeline of what happened based on various witness statements. So 6 p.m., Jennifer leaves work. She's arriving home for the first time since having left for vacation. 10 p.m., her boyfriend and her talk by phone say their good nights, and he is the last known person to speak with her before her disappearance. Now, the next day, Tuesday, January 24th at 7, between 7.30 and 8, that's when investigators initially believed that Jennifer was abducted as she was walking from her front door to her car. They now believe that she left and was abducted at some point on her way to work. So it's possible someone followed her. Now keep in mind her condominiums, they're they're fairly new. So there's a lot of maintenance men and a lot of workers at this condominium working um, very close to where she is. And she had even made some statements to not only her brother but her boyfriend that some of the Um, crew had made her feel a little uneasy, a little uncomfortable. So between eight and nine on Tuesday, the day um, of her disappearance, Jennifer's boyfriend, who normally would have heard from her, uh, calls her on the way to work, but it goes directly to voicemail. He kind of thinks, well, maybe uh, he knows that she had a meeting that she had mentioned to him. So maybe he thought, oh, well, she's in the meeting. She just kind of got distracted, you know. For, forgot to, to text or you know just had other things on her mind um so he attempts unsuccessfully many times to get in contact with her and he can't and then jennifer's parents call him to say that she had failed to show up for work now at 11 a.m alarmed at jennifer's uncharacter uncharacteristic uncharacter risk it uncharacter sorry no call no show her employer that's when they contact um the parents, um, which that's a little weird because that timeline from what the police have said that they, the uh, the parents, Jennifer's parents had contacted the boyfriend before 11, but they're saying that her employer contact, contacted her parents at 11. So what is the police, or did, did, did people just kind of get their there are signals crossed, or maybe there's miscommunication. Um, but either way, there, there is obviously, you know, something not right. Now, at 12, approximately 1.2 miles from Jennifer's apartment, surveillance car- cameras at another apartment complex record a person in the act of parking her car and walking away. Now, the car and the footage are not discovered, though, until two days later. Now... Keep that in mind. So, between 3 and 3.15, Jennifer's parents and her brother arrive at the apartment. They find evidence that she had been home that morning, and that's when they get in contact with the police. And the police initially hold out that she may have left, you know, she's an adult, she can leave whenever she wants. Um, The parents are having none of this. They begin to immediately distribute flyers because something is just not right. So excuse me. Now on Thursday, january twenty sixth, two thousand six, at eight ten AM, seeing Jennifer's car on the news, a tenant of a nearby complex informs the police that it has been sitting abandoned in front of their apartment for several days. Now, police confirm that it is Jennifer's two thousand four Chevy Malibu. Um, and the police examine local footage, surveillance footage, and discover the unidentified person walking, uh, parking her car, and walking away. Now, the person of interest who parked the car was captured and snapped a photo. Fo- so the surveillance camera was snapping photos once every three seconds. So when they went to go look at this footage, this guy is got to be the luckiest guy in the world because. Every time a picture is taken, his face, because he is walking past, um, a complex that has, you know, the gates on it, the bar, the bars with the gates, and his face is covered. Every single moment that he is walking or a a photo is being taken, that is, that, that guy, I'm, it's gotta be the luckiest guy in the world. Now, with no signs of forced entry or a struggle, um, They theorize that on the morning of January 24th, Jennifer left her apartment for work and locked the door only to be abducted at some point while walking or getting to her car. Now that is a very good possibility that that is what happened. um, Because there was, you know, no evidence that anyone had that there was forced entry that anybody besides herself had been in um, the apartment. So the FBI was eventually called in and helped determine the person's size and gender, but could only, they were called in to help determine the person's size and gender on that videotape, but could only say that the person stood about between 5'3 and 5'5. NASA actually got involved as well to enhance the video to help identify the sus- suspect. And detectives, uh, interpreted that the valuables left inside the car to imply that a robbery was not a motive in this case. But NASA could not even enhance that photo, um, enough that they could possibly, I mean, to this day, they don't know if it was a male or a female, um, because the, the footage is so grainy and his his or her face is covered up by the gates. Now, a search dog, um, had tracked a scent that led from her parked car back to her apartment complex. This is prompting detectives to believe that the suspect might have returned to her apartment, turned to apartment's parking lot after abandoning the car, and no other evidence was ever found. Um, forensic examination of the car didn't even, you know, yielded little to any evidence, uh, only a latent and a small DNA fiber. Investigators, deduced that the car had been wiped down by somebody. Now, the following items are known to be missing to this day. Her cell phone, her iPad, her keys, her purse, and her briefcase. Authorities were were unable to ping her cell phone, um, suggesting that the power is off. Her bank card has never been used since her disappearance. Now, at first, you know, Jennifer's family and close friends were investigated, and possibly, I mean, they were thinking that maybe it was someone in the family that could have abducted her. Her ex-boyfriend, recently upset and wishing to get back together with her, was also interrogated, but it was concluded that he had nothing to do with it. Her current boyfriend that she had gone to uh, on the vacation with, his alibi had checked out, and he was immediately uh, dismissed as a suspect. Now, remember, I said, at the time of her disappearance... Jennifer's uh condominium complex had been undergoing a major um you know overhaul and many of the laborers on site were non-English speaking not to say that that makes them automatically bad this is just a theory because i mean let, let let's be honest they they could have been scared and if they did see something not wanting to talk in, in fear of that they might be deported or they might get caught as, you know, they, they are not legal citizens. Now, she did say uh, Jennifer had told family members on several occasions that the construction workers constantly catcalled, whistled at her, harassed her. Um, but due to the language barrier, they were unable to interrogate a lot of the suspects. Um but the detectives then turned their focus to her place of employment and began, you know, questioning her coworkers. It learned that it was learned from police that a manager where she had worked had wanted a relationship with her, but she had refused his advances because she was, you know, had a boyfriend herself and was kind of against that whole workplace relationship thing. Um, detectives, you know, interviewed him multiple times, but finally, you know, they rolled him out as a suspect. Now investigators and Jennifer's friends and family remain open to the theory that possibly she became a victim to human trafficking because consider it. I mean, either that or, you know, she, she is unfortunately deceased. Um, so Jennifer's company that she had worked for, um, had offered a $1 million reward for information leading to her whereabouts. Um, but to this day that that reward has never been claimed. Um, so it's very unsettling because, um, eventually, you know, the, the, uh, so basically her family kind of thought that the police had, um, kind of mismanaged her, her case. And, um, on May 2nd, uh, in 2008, the Florida House of Representatives um, passed a Senate bill called the Jennifer Cleese and Tiffany Sessions Missing Persons Act to reform how missing person cases are handled. Now, as of June 10th, 2010, the FBI has taken over the case from the Orlando Police Department Um and, you know, Jennifer's parents eventually filed a suit against the Orlando Police Department to gain access to some of the police records that they had. Um, so the lawsuit was settled on Mar- in March of 2019, allowing the family access to over 16,000 pages of her, you know, her case. And still there is nothing that is coming up. There have been countless people that had been interviewed. Um, if you look at the video of the of the surveillance guy of the guy or the person I should say that parked her car um the outfit that this person is wearing strongly resembles something that you would see a painter wear now, with that construction of her condominium going on, it's very possible, and there were people that were wearing these type of outfits. So it is very possible that someone in that complex that worked in that complex, um, did something to her. Um, and nobody's talking for fear of, you know, they don't want to talk to the police because they don't want to be found out that they are not, you know, citizens and get possibly shipped back or, you know, whatever their own reasons, maybe that code of conduct of, you know, you stay silent, you never rat. Um, but someone's got to know something. I, I mean, there's God this many years, almost 20 years now, um, and nobody has come forward. Nobody seems to just know anything. I find that very, very hard to believe. Um, Somebody knows something out there. Somebody saw something. Maybe they saw this person driving her car. Maybe they saw him park it and they just don't remember. There is something that the police and maybe... Uh, everybody is missing. Maybe this person has been around this whole time, hiding in plain sight, I guess you could say. Um, but I just find it very hard to believe that, uh, nothing, no, no new information has really come up. Um, so, I mean, right now I, I believe, um... This case, you can find it on any dateline, um, 48 hours. It's very interesting, um, very sad, and, you know, I hope uh, one day we can figure out what the heck happened and someone comes forward. So I hope you all have a good week, and uh, until next time.